Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. We are so excited about our newest sponsor, Monster Bass. Monster Bass is the fun and affordable way to get the best new baits from the fishing industry's top brands delivered to your door each month. A premium subscription fishing company that handpicks the best baits based on where you live and fish. No more guessing on which baits are going to work. Just leave it to the pros at Monster Bass. Basically, it's like having your own personal fishing guide. And it's changing the way bass fishermen shop for baits. They're quickly becoming the number one fishing brand of anglers everywhere. They've got the best baits from the best brands. And you're covered by the industry's best customer service. So if you want to catch bigger bass this season, head over to MonsterBass.com and use the code PANTHERS10 to get $10 off your first box. Sign up for Monster Bass now. Back to Franchise Players. I'm your host, Desmond Johnson. Follow us on Tobacco Radio on Twitter. Uh, with us right now, of course, our Carolina Panthers put in some work over the weekend. New general manager Scott Fitterer showing what he learned uh, in the, the draft rooms of the Seattle Seahawks over the years, doing a lot of movement with head coach uh, uh, Matt Rule. So I had to go grab Elena Getzenberg, beat writer for the Carolina Panthers for the Charlotte Observer, just to get a, in, a little bit of an insight of what went down this weekend. Uh, hey, Elena, what's going on? Hey, not much. Just like still needing more sleep. <laughs> Halfway <laughs> this weekend, but I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me on again. Sure, absolutely. So the first thing I saw on social media, and I probably need to get out of the habit of being on social media, period, because it just either it brings me down or <laughs> or I get the wrong idea of what the team's doing, as if these people on Facebook are running the team. I saw a lot of Panther fans that love the the first-round pick, J.C. Horn, the cornerback out of South Carolina. I saw a lot of fans and outsiders, meaning fan, people that were not fans of the Carolina Panthers or do not follow them as closely as we do, that second-guessed it because quarterbacks Justin Fields and Mac Jones were still on the board at number eight. What are your thoughts on the eighth pick of the first round, cornerback J.C. Horn, and why the Panthers went with a cornerback instead of quarterback in the first round? Yeah, it's interesting because I was also <laughs> – I was not uh, – I didn't – the Justin Fields – Justin Fields was a real possibility – you know, a real possibility there is something the, Pan- the Panthers really liked him, um, considered that. Um, but what's interesting about it is I think if they had – let's say they had taken Justin Fields at number eight. I think a lot of Panthers fans would be complaining like, Oh, why'd you give up so much for Sam Darnold? Like, yeah, exactly. I don't know if people are ever happy. (laughs) Maybe that's a conversation for another day. But um, I think that's something real, you know, when they gave up, you give up a second round pick, a fourth round pick next year. And, you know, they got a lot of that back with some of the trades this year in a complicated Mm -hmm. way, but Um, you look at that, that's a lot to give up for someone who has, you know, now two years on this contract. Um, it's not an insignificant amount. I think second round pick is very valuable. Um, yeah. So I think that showed how in they were on Sam Darnold. I think that was the first sign of it. But I also think, you know, this team isn't, they're not win- winning the Super Bowl this season. They're not, I, mean, I know that could be hard to hear, but they're not quite there yet. <laughs> and they're not supposed to be. They're building you know, to have a successful team for many years. And I think having key pieces is a part of that. And they felt really highly about J.C. Horn and cornerback was 
absolutely a position of need. There was yes. not really a clear <laughs> starter. Um, and they got, you know, that's who they graded as the best defensive player on their board, and it worked out. So I think, you know, I think they feel that J.C. Horn is a piece that can be built around on their defense um, for many years to come. And so I think that's why it made sense. I have a couple of friends that aren't Panther fans that that uh, joke with me all the time. And when the pick went down, one of them's like, "Ah, oh, Panthers doing Panther things. You should have went after Devontae Smith. And I'm like, we have two 1,000-yard receivers right now. Like, why would we go after Smith? We didn't need it. Meanwhile, our defense can't get off the field. And we're in the NFC South where every other team has like a, a 1 and 1A wide receiver, it feels like. And we had... Dante Jackson with one good foot and that was really it for the whole year like I, I feel like people weren't paying attention to what was going on uh in the, in the Carolina secondary yeah. um the the GM Scott Fitter said about a week or so ago when they had that I call it the press conference to increase the value of the eighth pick because that's, like, <laughs> like that. that's literally all it was it was basically them coming out and talking about hey this eighth pick people are asking for it they're calling hey, around it gives us some content <laughs> so you know that's another part of it <laughs> yeah. so in that press conference i thought it was very curious that he said that there was one quarterback that the panthers really liked clearly it wasn't justin fields or matt jones because they were there when they had an availability at number eight who do you think that quarterback was that he was talking about um, so I think <laughs> I do know a little, there's only so much I can say. Um, they, that was a little bit of a joke. <laughs> I think, mm. I think part of that was like, was it about uh, Trevor Lawrence? <laughs> Is that who yeah, I, mean, okay. they, I think what he was, he was, they really did like Justin Fields, um, and felt highly of him. They liked, you know, there were, uh, there's only so much I can say here. Uh, they, they, uh, <laughs> I, can move, I can move it on to it. I don't want to get you in trouble. No, no, no. I was like, yeah, they liked, I mean, Trevor, I, was he, do I, do I know what Scott Federer was thinking in that exact moment? What joke or was he making a joke? Was he not? No. <laughs> they, did they really like Trevor Lawrence? Hell yeah. I mean, I think everything <laughs> in the NFL did, right? Like, yeah. had yeah. a high grade on him. So, could he have been referencing Trevor there? Absolutely. Um, but they did uh, like Justin Fields in general. You can follow her on Twitter at A. Getzenberg for the latest uh, on the beat for the Carolina Panthers at the Charlotte Observer. Elena Getzenberg joining us on Franchise Players. Um, talk to me a little bit about the maneuvering around the board by Scott Fitter. I, I read some of your article uh, earlier today. Uh, that you had out that talked about, you know, what they had been doing and moving around. It resulted in the most draft picks for the Panthers in a single draft since 1995, uh, their inaugural year when they were just putting a team together. Did you expect them to move around as much as they did? I think they had, uh, they ended up with 11 picks overall. They came in with seven, but they did a lot of wheeling and dealing pretty much from day one onward. Yeah, I <laughs> I wish I had told myself how much they would do. No, I mean, we knew, we knew it. it was absolutely, they were not leaving this draft without trading back at some point. That was like, I would have bet a lot of money on that if I was yeah. allowed to. Um, <laughs> but so that wasn't, it was, I think the way they did it on day two was a surprise where it was just like trade after trade after trade. To me, that was surprising. Um, and I think the other, you know, four of the trades were on day two and it's only two rounds. So it's not, yeah. <laughs> that's kind of shocking. Um, it was three down and one up. Um, but I think the surprising part was that the speed of it day two and then the volume of it, you know, I don't think I, I did not expect five trades. That's a, a, a lot. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, it, it resulted in a lot more players. It resulted in more players than they obviously would have gotten otherwise. Um, and I think an interesting part about, it, you know, obviously Scott Fitter's background with the Seahawks, you know, 
primed him for this. He learned from that. But another element that like Matt Rule also is in on trading back. Like I think sometimes people forget that. Like he, you know, last year they, when they thought about taking Derek Brown or moving back, you know, Rule was a part of that. And, you know, he went the amount of stake we should put in this, I think, is limited. But, you know, <laughs> Matt Rule went fishing with Jimmy Johnson <laughs> a couple <laughs> weeks ago and he definitely, I mean, talk to him. That's not why they traded back five times. But, you it, know, it, I think to it, put it all on. It had a little Jimmy, little Jimmy stink <laughs> on it a little, though. I mean, it was very reminiscent. <laughs> like, As I was listening to him, like, this feels familiar. I just can't place my finger on where I've seen this before. Listen, I mean, don't don't count out the fishing trips. But, um, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, I say that just to get to the fact that, like, it wasn't, you know, it's not Scout Fitter or, solely um with the vision of trading back it was a combined effort and you know they executed a draft plan yeah and i and i loved it because for me and i know you went through this too watching this team every week last year i think the number one concern for me was depth like we got to a certain point of the year where it was just like we didn't have any bodies like people were just getting hurt and they were bringing guys in off the street it felt like to play cornerback and uh cmc's gone the whole year it just felt like we just didn't have enough guys to really get in a rhythm and they, they did start getting in a rhythm a little bit towards the end of the year, those last three or four games, you could tell they were playing better and starting to buy in. They just have enough guys. So for them to come out of this draft with 11 guys and you got to hope that out of this hall, you get at least, you know, three or four starters. I would think out of 11 picks, you would think that uh, maybe you might be able to get that. And a lot of contributors uh, depth wise for the team. Let's talk a little bit about Sam Darnold. Uh, how surprised were you that the Panthers seemed to focus more on helping Sam Darnold in the draft? And maybe maybe that's the wrong way to put it, because I don't think they went into it thinking, oh, let's go get Sam some weapons. But that's <laughs> kind of how it played out in the end. They ended up getting some things that they needed for the offensive line, a couple wide receivers, uh, a, a very nice running back. Um, did, it, did it surprise you they seemed to focus more on helping Darnold in the draft as opposed to drafting, say, competition for Darnold? Or should we have just listened to Rule and Fitterer when they traded for him in the first place, like I said at the beginning of the segment? Because they didn't really hide you know, their intentions with Sam Darnold. We just thought they were lying to us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting thing. Um, I was not surprised. They, you know, after, I think after drafting seven defensive players last year, you know, if they didn't focus some on the offense, <laughs> there maybe <laughs> would have been an uprising. Um, in terms of the quarterback position specifically, you know, I guess I, I thought that they might take someone late, um, just kind of a backup, but they also have like solid backup options. I mean, PJ and Will, and in terms of, I mean, poor Will, but in terms yeah. of <laughs> for that starting role, uh, no, I mean, I think, I think as soon as they passed on Fields was the only, like, I think some people are like, connecting the Mac Jones dots that wasn't they were never taking Mac Jones yeah I didn't feel that I, I know they coached him in the senior bowl and all that stuff yeah, people were like oh yeah, they might Matt get him. likes him but that that doesn't mean they were going to take him with the yeah. eighth overall pick they yeah were, they could um, be they could be friends and he doesn't have to take him at number eight it's it's okay it's exactly right. exactly um, <laughs> so yeah so I think as soon as the field thing passed it was Sam Darnold's job I mean it's and he's gonna have the opportunity now I mean they can get out of this easily, you know, after two years. So he, he's got a limited time to prove it to them. What was the deal with them extending him after Thursday night? Was there any story behind why they waited after the first round to, to give him his fifth year? Or is that just how it ended up? It felt like there was some kind of plan going on. 
that we weren't privy to. And then after the first round was over, I wake up uh, Friday morning and lo and behold, Darnold's got his fifth year extension all of a sudden. Was there any reason why they waited until Friday? Yeah, I think I think well, I thought well, I think we're going to have a hard time ever getting the clearest of clear answers to that because a part of that is definitely it benefited the Panthers um, for us for our other teams to think that they were seriously considering a quarterback at eight. Um, oh right, yeah. In yeah, terms yeah. of getting trade offers, and which they did, but they just didn't get anything they felt was quite enough um, for J.C. Horn. But I think you know a part of that is if you you know, pick up that fifth year option before the draft, it kind of lays out your cards on the table a little bit more. So I do think that was a large part of it. Um, but the expectation, and we reported, a lot of people reported leading up that they would pick it up. And that was, that seemed to be the plan all along. It was just a little, little bit of confusing people, which, which they had certainly must've had a fun time doing. I was going to say it's, it's refreshing to see the Panthers front office playing chess instead of checkers with like the rest of the league. Cause usually it's pretty straightforward. We want that guy. We want that pick. You know, it's nothing really, you don't really catch a whiff that there's a larger scheme <laughs> taking place here. Yeah. And, and I, that was the first thing I kept pointing out. I'm like, they keep saying they're with Darnold with Darnold, but they're not giving him the fifth year option. Why, why, why? And what you just said there rings true. If they'd given it to him before the draft and people would think, oh, well, they're probably not going to pick a quarterback. We don't have to give him as much for this pick. If we go up that kind of thing. So, or we don't have to go up at all. Cause we're, they're not going to pick a QB. So I can get that logic. That, that makes a, a lot of sense. Actually, uh, Elena Getzenberg on the line with us here from the Charlotte observer beat writer for the Carolina Panthers. Uh, out of all of these guys that they picked, uh, Elena, who, in your opinion, as we sit here at the beginning of the first week after the draft, who is the steal of this draft class in your eyes for the Panthers? Ooh, good question. I really liked um, – there's a couple of guys actually that could have fit this, but I really liked okay. the Davion Nixon pick. Mm, um, yeah. The defensive tackle out of Iowa. Uh, to me, that just like – I we had mocked him at the charlotteobserver.com, had mocked him um, – to the Panthers and all the fun mock drafts that everyone just loves um, <laughs> because the need of defensive tackle was real, but this was also um, a really bad class um, at the position, but they managed to get a player who maybe he won't start, you know, this year, maybe he'll be kind of a backup kind of in that rotation that they have on the defensive line, but he's a really solid player, someone who can play that three technique spot and, they lost that, you know, with letting go, letting KK go and Zach Kerr. Um, so I think that it was a great steal to get him in the fifth round. Uh, I think a lot of people didn't think he would still be there. Yeah, I was actually, uh, I think I was driving around um, on Saturday when all that was taking place. Uh, so I was kind of listening to it on uh, the radio through uh, Fox Sports and just kept hearing uh, Panthers trade down, Panthers trade down. And then <laughs> like randomly there'd be a pick <laughs> in there. <laughs> And like I would, I would hear the name, and I'm like, how in the world did they get that guy in the fourth, or how did they get that guy in the fifth? And this guy, he was all Big Ten, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. uh, uh, one of those kind of pedigree guys, I guess, that Rule talks about all the time that he wants to build culture with. Uh, I noticed that a lot of these guys that they picked in the middle rounds were like all conference type guys, uh, like all SEC, all Big Ten all big 12 or whatever, all American guys like Brady Christensen or whatever. So they, they got a lot of value for where they traded back down to who do you think out of all those players kind of same question, but a little bit of a twist, who do you think, or who would you put money on to make a pro bowl first out of this class? If any, Oh God, don't make me answer that. Uh... <laughs> or maybe I should rephrase it. Who do you think is who, who is the guy in this group that has the most star potential? Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
there's a couple actually. I mean, I think I think JC Horn could get there. Um, I think, and that's like an easy one because he was in the first round. But I think he's going to be set up. I think this defense is really. I see where this. You know, the defense mm-hmm. is really coming together, and I think that will benefit him. But the other one, I mean, who? Terrace Marshall Jr. Like I think he could be the wide receiver from LSU. Like he could be really good. I mean, he's set up. He's going to be set up to succeed. He's with Joe Brady, who he was with in 2019. Joe Brady knows how to use him. And honestly, he's with a really good group of wide receivers. He might not have the biggest rookie year, but to me, like Robbie Anderson's going to be a free agent next off season. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously DJ will still be there, but he, you know, Robbie coming back is not a guarantee. And so I think, and he might play more in the slot anyway, but I think he'll be set up where he could be a really flashy player for them um, and someone who will have all the tools at his disposal to be the best he could be in the NFL. I, I think for me, the biggest surprise uh, was Deontay Brown from Alabama, getting mm-hmm. him as late as they did. The dude looks like the size of a house. And, <laughs> <laughs> like literally, I, I went to go check him. I think he's 6'3", 345 or something like that. And uh, never allowed a sack during his career at Alabama, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, place guard. Um, I know he was a later round pick. I, I believe he was all SEC. Uh, how Do you think he has a good shot of getting on the squad? Because the offensive line is kind of in flux in terms of, I know they signed free agents and then they drafted a couple of guys. So it looks like it's really going to be more about competition at that that uh, position to build the best offensive line they can. Do you think Deontay Brown's got a good shot to make this uh, this final man roster? Yeah, I think he could definitely make um, the 53. I don't think he's going to be starting um, this year, but I think he'll have a, definitely have an opportunity to compete for one of those spots. Um, it's interesting, the offensive line, you know, also Brady Christensen, who they selected in the third round. Those two, you know, it's going to be really interesting. They both can play multiple positions. You know, they – um, have high upside, but it's how they develop some of these um, players and where they put them, where they think they'll succeed. I think they both could have a chance to be, you know, key pieces of this offensive line, but there, there's some unknowns involved. So I definitely think um, Brown has that potential. There's a game, if you have some time on your hands, watching him against Derek Brown <laughs> in oh. an Alabama-Auburn game. Yeah. Fascinating tape. <laughs> I, I think I've I heard of this fable game. <laughs> Is this the game where they were blocking Derek Brown with, like, three guys at one point? <laughs> there was – but Deontay Brown, had, you know, he got the upside of him a couple times. So, I just – I highly, I highly recommend it. I'm going to go, go digging for it. I'm definitely going to go digging Some for brown it. Some brown-on-brown action there. <laughs> yeah. And they'll get to compete in practice. So. <laughs> and real quick, real quick yeah. before I let you go, Elena, we were talking before we came on. Uh, you said we had some uh, somewhat breaking news. It's already out on Twitter or whatnot now, but um, referring uh, to Luke Keekley and uh, a former fan favorite for the Panthers. Uh, what was going on exactly? Yeah, so a couple of like just front office stuff. You know, this stuff always comes out after the draft. Um, yeah. <laughs> Luke Keekley uh, decided to leave. He resigned from his position as pro scout with the team. He's been with the team just for the past year. Um, and it's just kind of, he actually told them in March. So this is already happened a while ago, but we're all just finding out about it. Um, and you know, it's not, he's health wise. He's fine. It's more of just him deciding to take a step back from football and, you know, do what's best for him. So I think, yeah, good for him. 
Yeah, good for him. And then yeah. the other news is that, you know, the Panthers, there's been this elusive assistant GM job that <laughs> has not been filled or anything happened with it since Matt Rule got hired. It was actually brought up. And now they're trying, they're starting to request interviews with guys. And one of those is uh, former Panthers linebacker Dan Morgan, who's currently works in the Bills front office. So, oh, of course he does. It's <laughs> like everyone, once they leave Carolina, they go to Buffalo, whether a player, personnel, referees coded whatever it was like if, if they were here <laughs> yeah if they're here they're going to they're going to carolina north up in uh in buffalo so you're thinking that uh dan's got a good shot at uh being considered for the assistant gm here for sure because uh he and scott fitter the panthers gm actually go back um they worked together in seattle for many years so they're close yep. friends and i think he uh, will absolutely have a nice chance at landing this one uh, and we'll see how it goes. They'll probably fill that position pretty quickly. Follow her on Twitter at A. Getzenberg for the latest Carolina Panthers news. The draft might be over, but we know the NFL is 365 days a year. So I'm sure something will happen over the next like couple of weeks. And we'll be able to talk to Elena again soon. We always appreciate having you on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Coming up, more from franchise players on Tobacco Road, sportsradio.com. Support for our podcast is brought to you by Just Live, a trusted source of high-quality wellness CBD products created by athletes just for you. I don't know about you, but 2020 and the beginning of 2021 has been pretty stressful. That's why Just Live came out with their new CBD gummy line. They have six different flavors and functions, including sleep, energy, focus, immunity, calm, and vitamin C. Plus, they're vegan and low sugar. Just Live was founded by professional athletes Clay Thompson, Alex Morgan, Travis Pastrana, and Paul Rodriguez because they wanted to create a CBD product they could trust and could stand behind. If you need support with sleep, focus, energy, stress, or immune health, I highly recommend giving these a try. Right now, if you buy one of their new gummy products, you get one free. There are six different benefits to choose from, and instead of just choosing one, visit JustLive.com and use code SUPPORT to buy one and get one free. Buy one, get one free the new gummies line with code SUPPORT at JustLive.com. That's buy one, get one free at JustLive.com. Use code SUPPORT. Welcome back to Franchise Players. I am your host, Desmond Johnson. Stick around here. Uh, segment three coming up here in a little bit. The first annual Franchise Players Haters Ball. JP Mundy, Jay Spivey, myself, Ryan Stone. We'll go through some of the things that we actually hate right now in sports. Before that, though, a uh, pleasure to bring back editor-in-chief of Catch Scratch Reader, Eric Summers. Um, he'll come on with us here right now to kind of go through some of the stuff here with the uh, the conclusion of the 2021 NFL Draft. But first, I need to talk to you about being retire in auto um three locations across the triad greensboro high point in their new location in kernersville stop by for a full service car repair oil changes tires and more beam retire and auto we care because we know you could go anywhere a shop with a beating heart not a bottom line eric what's going on man how you doing i'm doing pretty great it's a good uh good uh, week to be a panthers fan i would say how you doing Desmond? I, I would agree with that i was very uh happy with their uh their weekend uh, in Cleveland. Uh, let me ask you, I asked Elena Getzenberg on yesterday's show uh, about this. Were you, were you initially happy or upset that the Panthers selected cornerback J.C. Horn with their first round pick instead of a quarterback like Justin Fields, who was still on the board at pick eight at that time? I would call my response a measured one. Uh, if I, <laughs> it's mainly that, you know, it's like you hate to let somebody like Justin Fields pass you by, but the truth of the matter is we were 
number 32 out of 32 as far as getting off the field on third down last year. And the major reason for that was that our corner core was so deep or so uh, shallow. And then Dante Jackson missed so much time. So it made, it made a lot of sense to me why we would go get the best corner in the draft. Um, of course, this is putting a lot of eggs into the Sam Darnold basket, which we have no idea about. Mm-hmm. But that said, if Sam Darnold works out, we're a much better team with J.C. Horn also on the team than we would be having two quarterbacks. Yeah, I agree with that. And I kind of looked at it in terms of what happened before we got to eight. Like, I, I kind of looked at it like the only quarterback I think, other than Trevor Lawrence, if they had still been there at eight that the Panthers might have paused on was Trey Lance. So... Lance goes three to San Francisco, so that takes that option off the table. Um, then I think their their top pick at that point was Panay Sewell. He oh, gets yeah. taken off the board before eight. So now you're at a point where it's like you take the best player available that's on your board, which clearly then was J.C. Horn, or you reach for a quarterback because everyone's telling you to go do so. Um, they didn't like Fields as much. They clearly didn't like Jones, even though they were with him uh, during the Senior Bowl this year. So they got a good up-close look at Mac Jones. Uh, and they went with what I feel like was the most pressing need they had. Like you just said, they couldn't get off the field to save their lives last year. Uh, teams were converting third downs at a historic rate against this defense, and they needed another cornerback. Uh, they basically had half a cornerback with Dante Jackson and a, a bunch of guys from off the street, it felt like. So I was I was fine with it once I went and looked at Horn. I, I think he's going to be a day-one starter, uh, and they need a little swagger back there. They haven't had it since Josh Norman, really, so I think he can help with that. Um, over at catchscratchreader.com is where you can find Eric's work as well as uh, others from the fine folks at Cat Scratch Reader. I saw that you put up a projected defensive uh, starter for 2021 uh, depth chart, and I kind of wanted to go through it real briefly. Um, on the defensive line, you have uh, your Turgros Matos, Derek Brown, Daquan Jones, and Brian Burns uh, starting, and you've got guys like uh, rookie Davion Nixon, who I thought was a steal for the Panthers uh, when they grabbed him. Uh, Morgan Fox at a uh, defensive end that they signed in free agency. Bravion Roy, the defensive tackle from uh, Baylor that uh, was drafted last year. And Marquise Haynes. Out of that group, who do you think is primed for a breakout season and why? Well, I got to tell you, as a, as a unit, I think they're primed for a breakout season because I would say looking across the line, we have four players that are a threat there. Uh, it's going to be very hard for the offense to pick and choose who they want to key on. Um, I think the one who's going to show the most uh, is most growth from last season, at least, is probably going to be Tier Gross Matos. Mm. Um, he's going to benefit quite a bit from the addition of a guy like Hassan Reddick, uh, and even more so from the addition of a Daquan Jones. Uh, that is a very beefy interior when you're talking about both Derek Brown and Daquan Jones being there. That is a lot to try to control. Um, and I know Daquan Jones will probably come off the field on passing downs, but that that's when he'll probably uh, – our, our line has so much versatility now, I would say, because you look at a guy like Morgan Fox that I have listed as the number two left defensive end. Mm-hmm. The reality is he's probably your first string three tech uh, on an obvious passing situation. So he probably comes on the field and Daquan Jones leaves the field. And uh, then you've got Brian Burns, Eutero Gross Meadows, Derek Brown, and Morgan Fox as your line. And there's quite a bit of pass rushing ability there and a lot of big bodies still. So um, I do think that a lot of people are going to show up this season very, very prime for a big year. There's just so much team speed for the opposing offense to have to try to deal with now. Yeah, I'm very interested in seeing who emerges as that other defensive tackle beside Derek Brown. I feel like that was the one element that was missing last year. 
that he didn't have another guy like that KK short that could actually uh, draw some attention away from him. I don't know if it's going to be Daquan Jones, if it'll be uh, Davion Nixon, uh, Bravion Roy. Uh, they drafted another tackle, Phil Hoskins, uh, late in the uh, the draft. Uh, who knows? But I'm hoping one of those guys emerges to help out with Brown in the interior. And you're you're absolutely right. Usually. When you have two defensive tackles that can plug up space like that in the middle, it allows the linebackers to run free, and the defense just takes a whole new tone uh, to it. Have uh, Editor-in-Chief Eric Summers on the line from Cat Scratch Reader talking about the Panthers' uh, defense now after the 2021 draft. Uh, let's move up a level to linebackers. The Panthers were fairly weak at the spot last year. You've got Hassan Reddick at outside linebacker, along with Shaq Thompson on the other side. Uh, Denzel Perryman as starting uh, middle linebacker. And then you've got uh, Christian Miller, uh, Jeremy Chin, Jermaine Carter uh, in that mix as well. Um, how do you feel about this collective group going into 2021 with those new additions? Because most of the additions in the linebacking court came from free agency, not the draft. Actually, all of them did. Yeah, and I feel better, you know, so there's a lot more attacking style defense here when I'm looking at it. You know, we'll have Christian Miller back for the full season. He opted out of last year, obviously, and we went out and spent some resources to get Hassan Reddick for a one-year deal. Um, both of those guys are going to mostly provide kind of that, uh, they're going to they're gonna be the linebacker that shifts all over the field. You know, they're going to be brought on when we're trying to put pressure um, Jeremy Chin, you know, I've got him listed as the quote-unquote second-string outside linebacker. Reality, he's never going to leave the field. Whether he lines up as a linebacker or lines up as a safety on a given play is really just going to depend on our alignment. Um, so I would say when you look at that depth chart, uh, you're definitely going to see Denzel Perryman out there unless it's third down. Uh, you're definitely going to see Shaq Thompson out there no matter the situation. And I can't imagine they're really ever going to pull Hassan Reddick off the field either. Um, and Jeremy Chen is either going to be standing in the back at safety or he'll walk down uh, depending on the situation, whether we want, you know, whether we want to stack the box or if we want him to be more of a robber joker type. Um, he's going to be one of the keys for this defense this year. I would say both, both Chen and Hassan Reddick are going to play that role of they could be anywhere on the field and offensive coordinators are going to have to figure out what to do about them uh, and how they're going to handle them. Cause they're going to have, I think a lot of leeway. I think Phil Snow is going to let them kind of decide for themselves what they're going to do on any given play. Yeah. I was going to actually, I have a Jeremy Chen question written down here in terms of where do you think he'll eventually settle into? I know that the Panthers uh, coaching staff towards the end of the year last year had mentioned that they kind of wanted to keep hits off of them and that, it's it felt like they were saying eventually he's going to land at safety kind of the way um in reverse the way thomas davis was when he came here uh, and he eventually you know fell into uh the outside linebacker role but he was a safety at georgia kind of the same type of thing i love jeremy chin i've always kind of compared him to cam chancellor just a, a like a thinner version of cam chancellor he's gonna have to put some muscle on uh but he kind of plays the same type of way kind of a rover uh, he's kind of the thumper of, uh, of that secondary, which was much needed. Um, and I'm looking for a huge leap for him talent wise going into year two, um, in this Panther defense with Phil snow as the defensive coordinator. Speaking of the secondary, this was to me, the biggest weakness of the Panthers last year of the entire team. You've got, um, <clears throat> AJ Boye and Dante Jackson starting, uh, at cornerback on this, uh, secondary, uh, which is telling me that basically, well, no, excuse me. You've got J.C. Horn and A.J. Right. Boye starting, and you got Dante Jackson in the cornerback three slot, which I think kind of, if I was reading you correctly, 
it sounds like you're saying they're gonna probably play more of a nickel more than anything else, and that Jackson will be the slot uh, corner. Do you think the boy is gonna start over Jackson? Yeah, I mean, I think the league is heading in that direction where nickel is almost becoming a base defense, and especially when you look at the NFC South in general, there's just so many receiving weapons. Uh, the opposing offenses, I don't think, are going to want to take them off the field very often. Uh, so I really don't. I consider J.C. Horn, A.J. Boye, and Dante Jackson to all be starters. I think you're only going to see Jackson come off the field in the rare case that it's an obvious running situation. Um, it's mainly the way I've placed them there. I think we're going to go to more press coverage. I definitely think we're going to try to man up at the X and Z. And we're going to try to ask. J.C. Horn is known for being a physical corner, somebody who can disrupt your route right off the snap. So I do think, since we finally have the talent to do so, uh, we're going to man up and play press on the outside. A.J. Boye, that's something he's done most of his career. He started off as more of a zone guy, but he's definitely shown uh, over the last several years in Jacksonville that he can be a press man corner. Um, and I just think he's a more physical player than Dante Jackson. Now, that's not to say, given the team that we play in any given week, like if we're playing, if we're playing the Buccaneers, I fully expect that Dante Jackson will line up across from a Chris Godwin type, and that and that uh, J.C. Horn will take Mike Evans, and then you'll have Boye on whomever they decide to put at the third slot. Antonio um, Brown. <laughs> yeah, if, yeah. Who knows? I mean, that's just such a ridiculous. <clears throat> yeah, that's just insane. <laughs> but when you when you say it that way, it's like okay. Suddenly, the Panthers were extremely weak here last year. Provided they have good health, what team in the NFC South is more suited now to face the rest of the NFC South and their DB core than Carolina? Yep. And you got somebody like Jeremy Chen who can match up against those safety types, or you know, you've got Kyle Pitts in Atlanta now, and we mm. all expect him to be an amazing pro. J.C. Horn shut him down in college. I mean, yeah. I would, it was it was a hell of a duel. I shouldn't say shut him down. That Watching the two of them go at it was something to behold. They, they obviously have a tremendous amount of respect for each other. Um, so, uniquely, all of a sudden, the Panthers seem to be in a good place to face uh, some of these other teams now, and, not, and a guy that a lot of people aren't talking about just because we didn't have him last year and he's not a hugely wide-known name is Rashawn Melvin. I think he's going to be a pretty solid addition for the Panthers. He obviously did not play last season. Hmm. Um, so I, I, there's some depth there. I'm actually pretty impressed at what we did between the draft and free agency. Who, uh, in your eyes, Eric, and on the line with editor-in-chief Eric Summers from uh, Cat Scratch Reader here on Franchise Players, who was the biggest surprise for you uh, in the middle rounds that the Panthers selected that could be an actual contributor in your eyes? Uh, well, the middle rounds were just uh, chef's kiss. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, that was a fantastic, uh, fantastic section of picks. Um, the guy who's going to have, I think, the, the biggest role is going to be Davion Nixon out of Iowa. Mm. Um, I think he is going to slot really nicely into that under tackle spot. Uh, he, he's going to be, a, I think all these guys are going to be a big part of a rotation. I, you know, nowadays you don't just put the same guys out there every time you try to keep them fresh. Right. But I think Nixon has the athleticism and the size that he could even, he could even slide out to defensive end if you wanted him to go, if you wanted to go in a heavy set and he could probably also be your under tackle as well. So I think he's going to be the key addition. I don't know enough about Keith Taylor out of Washington uh, as the corner to say what he'll do. Um, that was he was somebody that going to the draft I just simply didn't have eyes on. So I'm trying to learn about him 
along with everybody else right now. But I would say wasn't surprised by the Chuba Hubbard pick. Wasn't you know, the Tommy Tremble pick. I love Tommy Tremble. He's freaking amazing. I just love his mentality as a football player. Um, Terrence Marshall, Ju- Terrence Marshall Jr. might be the actual best wide receiver in the draft. And mm. uh, Brady Christensen, and we didn't get Sam Cosme. I was banging the table really hard for Sam Cosme entering day two. And if, obviously, we all know on catscratchreader.com that Marty Herney reads catscratchreader.com. So I probably should have not posted it there. Um, so he, he, of course, is like, oh, that Eric guy knows what he's talking about when it comes to linemen. So he takes them right before we can. Um, yeah. But <laughs> that said, Brady Christensen, uh, a lot of people are making a big to-do about his arms being a little shorter than average. I think that's one of the most asinine things that people could possibly harbor. It's ridiculous. It really is. Yeah, it just, oh, man, I might need to put that in our haters ball segment coming like, up here next because that's crazy. Really, it really is. Like, I mean, do people have a concept of what the difference of an inch is when you're talking about <laughs> the length of somebody's arms? Okay, lean slightly farther forward. You've made yeah. up that inch. Like, I, I honestly do not understand it at all. Uh, you know, I, well, of course, an extra inch in length on your arm is going to keep Chase Young from coming around that corner. I mean, yeah. it's just it's just fact. That's just the way you know nature works. Um, yeah, yeah. It's it's like putting a uh, it's like putting a wooden pole in front of a parking garage when somebody really doesn't want to drive through it. They're going to stop, right? right? Yeah, they're just going to stop. I mean, yeah. what else are they going to do? Um, <laughs> Absolutely absurd. So, before I let you go, Eric, give me an overall grade on this pat uh, on this uh, draft of the Panthers under first-year general manager Scott Fitter. Uh, it sounds like, from everything you've said, that you feel like they knocked it out of the park. What would you give him a grade, A to, uh, a to F? Can't be anything except for an A. Uh, he just played, Fitter just played the draft economy in a way that we have never seen in Carolina, but other mm. teams have mastered for years. Um, so even, I would just say it's an A draft. If you don't even look at the players and just see how he operated to get so many players, to get so many picks, and still fill needs BPA. I mean, I loved all of it. The only thing that anybody could say against this draft is that we didn't take Justin Fields. That's literally the only thing that anybody could complain about at this moment in time. Yeah, and to be honest, I I was back and forth on Justin Fields literally up until our pick. I mean, I would have a whole day where I'm like, well, they got to get Justin Fields. It looks like he's going to drop to him. And then I'd have another day where I'm like, we don't need Justin Fields. (laughs) We have so many other needs other than another quarterback. Let's see what Darnold can do with actually – having you know talent with him uh, and a line to block for him uh he's only what how old is darnold 24 25 he's 23 i mean 23 and, and wow yeah it's a <laughs> he, he's just as young and basically i think they even asked rule about this they were like if he were in or they asked a lot of people in the league that i was watching the abc show and mayock and all those guys were not mayock uh what's his name kuiper Kuiper were sitting there on the stage and they were talking about Darnold and they were talking about where he would go in this draft. And they all were saying they would either pick him in the Trey Lance spot or right after the Trey Lance spot. So they were talking about the value that Carolina got there, even knowing what he's done so far in the NFL. So what I'd say to people who are really hung up on the fact that we took JC Horn as opposed to Justin Fields, I say this, I say, the Carolina Panthers are a better team if Sam Darnold is a decent quarterback and we have J.C. Horn as opposed to if Sam Darnold is a decent quarterback and then we just have Justin Fields. 
I 110% agree with that. And I agree with your assessment on the draft. I gave it an A as well. Came in with seven picks, left with 11. Literally, it was like and Scott a fourth rounder next year, and a fourth rounder next year, probably basically a, a third rounder based on mm-hmm. what we've seen from the Texans. And oh gosh, yeah, and uh, they basically paid off the Sam Darnold trade. I mean, they basically got Darnold for a second, which I, I mean, a twenty-three-year-old Sam Darnold. <laughs> I mean, uh, for a second-round pick, yeah, I can't hate that at all. Yeah, that's fantastic yeah. work. So, uh, I, Fitter put in work, Matt Roll put in work, the whole Panthers front office put in work. I, I was blown away with what they did in this draft, and I hope that. We get three, three to four, uh, you know, starters out of these eleven that we're bringing in. At least some depth. That was the main thing I wanted, and they accomplished that in spades in this uh, draft. Oh, yeah. Follow- the only way to win the draft is to get more tickets. That's yep, really yep. The exactly only way right. <laughs> yep. Follow, uh, follow Eric at Tater five nine six. Also, uh, check out CatScratchReader.com for the latest news and info on the Carolina Panthers as we get into the off season. But as we all know, the NFL really doesn't have an off season. It's just going to roll over into. The next big thing, we just spent segment one talking about Aaron Rodgers for 20 minutes. So, you know, like it's always something going on. So I'm sure we'll have Eric back on uh, soon. We appreciate you, man. Absolutely. Thanks for having me again. Stick around. The first annual Franchise Players Haters Ball commences next on Franchise Players on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.